0: thurston yeah he's back jamie court jamie court is the president of consumer watchdog uh their website is consumerwatchdog.org. i have in the past recommended that you get on their mailing list you really must um because whatever issues you're concerned about in your life there's something on that website that is going to impact you and what we're going to talk about now um hopefully won't be one of them but it could be uh jamie thanks for being here today
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: So you uh, and Consumer Watchdog, I, mean, I know i know that we talked about the unfairness of the way the system exists today concerning medical malpractice and um, what can happen to patients who are injured um, by uh, people who are uh, really negligent. They're, they really do wrong things. And we talked about how wrong it was. Uh, but now there is a Fairness for Injured Patients Act. Uh, this is a proposed ballot initiative for November of next year. Um, uh, tell us about what this is. First of all, tell us about what the problem is. How does it currently exist today, and why do we need to make a change?
1: Well, you know, most of us never think we're going to be a victim of medical negligence or a victim of anything, frankly, but uh, it happens to too many people. And, um, you know, you probably know someone who was a victim of medical negligence in your family or yes, friend. yes. And in California, you know, we we have the most progressive state in the nation, allegedly, but we have literally the most regressive medical negligence laws in uh, 1975, so 45 years ago. uh, California doctors and insurance companies got the politicians to sign a law saying, if you are a victim of medical negligence, if you're injured as a patient and you go to court, there's a cap on what the jury can award for your lost quality of life damages if you're blind, if you're disabled, for the pain you suffer and for the wrongful death of a survivor. And that cap was put in in 1975. It was never adjusted, and it is $250,000. So we have um, a real problem because... For certain types of injuries and certain, uh, for low income people, for, for if a child dies from medical negligence and the family wants to get an attorney, they can't get an attorney today because this cap has never been adjusted. Yeah, we, there are 20 uh, states without caps, including the District of Columbia, among them New York and Michigan, no caps on what a jury can award. There are another uh, 13 states that have caps, but there's an exception. You get out of the cap, the jury can award what it wants in the case of a death or of a permanent disability, you know, of a lifelong disability. California has never even adjusted our cap for inflation and it's there are only three states where the cap is low as uh, California's the other two are Montana and Texas and then ironically in Montana and Texas they have longer statute of limitations and other more generous laws so we have the most regressive uh, law in America, if you are a victim of medical negligence, and if you don't, if you're not a very high-income uh, wage earner, and the injury that you suffer is you know, basically, um, you know, cut into your income, you're, it, it, there's just terrible unfairness. And so, this initiative, the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, was filed by uh, the father of a a boy who was injured when he was two, blind his whole life, cerebral palsy his whole life, because he couldn't get a simple test. An HMO uh, provider denied him a CAT scan that would have detected a a growing brain mass after an injury to his head. And he's basically blind and brain damaged for his life. And the jury awarded $7 million for that lifetime of disability for uh, not being able to live a normal life. It was knocked down when the jury left the room, to 250,000. And he filed this initiative He's a friend of mine, Stephen, uh, Scott Olson. His son is Stephen. The son is now 29 years old after being injured at two. The uh, mm-hmm. Scott's wife died. She had to quit her job to take care of Stephen. Now he quit his job to take care of Stephen. And they're a wonderful family, but th- this unfairness is so profound. He doesn't want it to happen to anyone else. And it is circulating uh, as of next month. The ballot measure will be something that people can sign in grocery stores and it will be in the November ballot. Before you
0: go back to that, let's go back to um, uh, Scott and Stephen.
1: So um,
0: they have to take care of Stephen and now Stephen has to get his health care from taxpayer-paid Medicare.
1: That's right, because Scott doesn't have a private health insurance policy, which was taking care of Stephen, rather than the wrongdoer, by the way, paying for those uh, economic costs. Uh, now Medicare is, Social Security disability. And in California, it's another unfair part of this 1975 law that's never been adjusted, that um, unlike in other types of cases, if if a wrongdoer can say, well, well, the father's health insurance policy can pay, so we don't have to pay for the medical care. This child's going to be on Medicare, so we don't have to pay for the medical costs. And um, so the family just they're just such they're such nice and optimistic and sweet folks the jury foreman didn't even know until he read in the paper that the verdict had been reduced and was just outraged in america that a jury wasn't told the truth and it, 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 by now this law i mean it's 1975 cap that was never adjusted it's little it, tens of thousands of families have suffered under this some of the ones who have suffered the worst are the ones who are victims of medical negligence if a Child dies, for instance, you try to go to get an attorney, and the attorney is not going to take the case because from the maximum two hundred fifty thousand they could potentially get, they have to have expert witness fees to contend with the doctors, experts to prove the case. That's if you go to trial now, between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars, that has to come out of that award. So does the contingency fee paid to the attorney, oh. and when you add it all up. There's just not enough money there in $1975 for an attorney to take that case on a contingency fee basis. So if you have just terrible examples of medical negligence, they go undeterred and uh, it's horrible for the family and it's horrible because those medical providers are still in the system and the regulatory system doesn't do a very good job of policing them because frankly uh... the doctors are in charge of the medical board the former president of the california medical association is the has been appointed by our governor to run the medical board of california so they do not discipline these doctors in the way they should and the doctors have very good lawyers and the patients are left, unfortunately, without the legal system to turn to. Uh, we really want to change that, and Scott yeah. wants to change that, so it doesn't happen to another family. It won't help his family.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, to, but tell, it will us, help others. tell us yeah. about
0: this other case. Uh, case of uh, Mia, Bree, and Nelson Moreno's mm-hmm. daughter, Mia. Tell us about her.
1: God, the cutest little girl. You can see her at consumerwatchdog.org. dot org. There is a video of her up there. Uh, she is uh, one who has yet to be. Hurt by the cat, but was injured by medical negligence uh she had surgery at a very young age and uh due to an error uh in um the anesthesia they they basically she stopped breathing for a little bit and they thought she was okay, but a little while later this young girl she she just they realized she had cerebral palsy, and that her when her you know the ox- cutting the oxygen to her brain left her with a lifetime disability and now she's eight, I think, and she's uh suffering. Uh, because you know she'll never potentially, you know, live independently. She's got cerebral palsy. She has a hard time walking. She is the cutest little girl though, and um, her parents are gonna are bringing a case against the providers because clearly they didn't do what they were supposed to. And uh, if this cap continues uh, past November. The case uh, will go to a jury, and the jury will not be told about this compensation cap, and she'll be in the same place Steven was that right. they'll say, "Oh well, for her lifetime of her disability, for not living a normal life, we're going to award whatever million dollars we think that's worth." And when they leave the room. The judge is going to have to reduce the award to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which was set in nineteen seventy-five by politicians and never adjusted. And today, in nineteen seventy-five dollars, it'd be like it's like fifty-two thousand dollars. That cap.
0: It's it's crazy. Um, How are they paying for um uh, for the the attorneys? Are are Fod- they
1: father's health insurance... Well, no, there's a contingency fee attorney in taking the case. Uh, the contingency fee attorney actually is involved with the ballot measure, yeah. and the contingency fee attorneys uh, actually lost a child due to the medical negligence. Is why they're helping support the ballot measure, and they're doing the case uh, in, in order to you know bring it forward and hopefully, when the cap is lifted uh, in November, this trial uh, will be a, one of the first trials where juries are able to determine without this politician set cap. Uh, telling them what they can award, right. what the value of her, you know, disability really is worth. So it, it's interesting. There's one family who, you know, will this will not help them, but they'll help others. And then there's this little girl who's in the place of of of, of Scott's son Stephen, but twenty, you know, twenty, you know, twenty years ahead of it. And we, there there is a potential. If the Fairness Act passes for this uh, jury that hears me as case to basically award what they see fit and not be deceived about the fact that they have that power, because juries are not told. About and this cap. which is absolutely
0: uh, ridiculous, first of all, that the juries aren't told. But if the juries are told, it's not gonna have an impact anyway because that is what the cap is. And it's completely arbitrary. No matter how serious the injury is, no matter how bad the uh, the negligence or the malfeasance is, it seems as if they everybody's got this two hundred fifty thousand dollar. Uh, claim is this actual medical malpractice that we're talking about, or is there a difference it's, between that? It's and only this? for
1: medical, yeah. It's only for medical malpractice, medical negligence, and it okay. is only on what we would call quality of life or wrongful death survivor damages. But that is what compensates you for your blindness, for a loss of brain function, for loss of a normal life. What the doctors say is, oh yeah, but the jury can always award for wage loss or medical bills, uh, which are what they would call economic costs. But the reality is. Uh, When a child dies, there are no wages, so they only have those quality-of-life damages. Uh, In a case of a disability, we don't know what Stephen Olson would have made his whole life, and the other side can argue, because of some some of these changes in 1975 that the the medical insurance complex got through, that he will have Social Security for his whole life, so the wrongdoer doesn't pay for the lost wages. They pay for what's called a life care plan. So in the case of the Olsons, you know, you had a two-year-old boy who was blind, who's got cerebral palsy, who's projected to live till 80 or more. And the total, he, his $7 million, you know, verdict for was knocked down to 250000 for mm-hmm. that, for, for, for his lifetime of disability. And they awarded for all of his, you know, uh, future care, all of his future care, what he finally came away with was about $3 million for his whole lifetime. His, and that's part of his, his mom having to quit her job for the next, 30 years to take care of him. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, she did do that. And when she died at 59, which was very sudden uh, from a complication, from, from chemotherapy actually, from a, from a cancer that was kind of cured, she, she, her heart stopped and she was on our board of directors, uh, such a such nice woman, Kathy Olson. And when that happened, suddenly the family was in real straits because the father, Scott, had to quit his job. Yeah. Uh, at, at 60
0: and that's what their insurance was tied to, his job.
1: Exactly, so that's how Medicare and Social Security disability are now taking care <laughs> of Stephen. And Scott's biggest fear is what happens when Stephen dies. I mean, he's going to live right. probably until 90. The kid is healthy as a horse, but he can't live independently. Right. And the wrongdoer is not paying. Uh, and what happens is taxpayers will uh, at some point pay more and more. And Stephen, you know, Stephen has to live this uh, his whole life you know, without the, the, the quality of life any of us have, the ability to live independently, to marry, uh, it's it's really a shame. And, and the wrongdoer and their insurance policy didn't pay uh, the family, and private health insurance and taxpayers did. And part of the initiative, by the way, the Fairness for patients Act, which is going to start circulating next month, and people can sign again on the November 2020 ballot, is okay. juries will be told about the cap. Okay. And if there is a Permanent disability, like in Stephen's case or Mia's case, the cap will not apply. Uh, It'll only apply in cases where there's no permanent disability or death.
0: And what would? And it'll be
1: indexed for inflation. It'll be indexed for inflation when it applies. So people will know about it. So, so in cases where. Uh, they're not as serious as a catastrophic injury. There will be a $1.2 million cap, that's what the index inflation brings it up to, and juries will be told about it so they can award appropriate economic damages. And we're also changing a provision of the law that allows the wrongdoers to introduce uh, evidence and say, hey, there's Medicare, there's Social Security, there are these other sources of income that can pay, don't make us pay. Because in auto accident cases or other type of civil cases, Wrongdoers have to pay and aren't allowed to introduce evidence. What we call collateral sources. Yeah. And uh, we are going to restore that rule so that doctors and hospitals and Kaiser and HMOs and those wrongdoers will pay. It won't be private health insurance or taxpayers that pay for the injuries that they cause. And hopefully they'll be much more careful and we'll have fewer injuries.
0: Yeah. Um, and and maybe there's some studies is...
1: to prove that's actually that actually works that it, when it... you.
0: Do, yeah. Does does Sorry. part of this, I mean, one of the things that concerns me, too, is I want to make sure that those people who, uh, I mean, if they're wrongdoers and if they've done it more than one time, I mean, I guess one time there's an accident, you have to be held responsible for mm-hmm. that. But what if you're just a rotten doctor? I mean, is there a way that people can know uh, if somebody's a serial offender, if this is a person that you don't want to trust your life or the life yeah. of your child to?
1: Well, it's hard. The medical board does publish data, but only when there's a verdict or an award of more than thirty thousand dollars. And when you don't have legal deterrence, you have to rely on the regulatory system, which is is really run by the doctors. And
0: um, I'll tell and, you that. And this a this lot support. of these cases are not going, I would think, are not going to court because with the cap being what the cap is, it would be very difficult to get, like exactly. you said, an attorney who's going to handle this case. And so you're exactly. you're kind of screwed all the way around. That,
1: Especially in certain types of cases, a a child who dies, doesn't matter how egregious the negligence, you will not get an attorney because the value of the case is not enough. So there's two things we do in this initiative that are smart. I'll tell you what, I need
0: need to take a break, but uh, can you stay with me just till the bottom of the hour? Of course. Okay, terrific. That's Jamie Court. He's the president of Consumer Watchdog. The website is consumerwatchdog.org. We're talking about the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, and we'll be right back on KGO. Good afternoon. I'm Pat Thurston. Jamie Court is my guest and uh, Jamie is the president of Consumer Watchdog. We're talking about this ballot initiative. This is a ballot measure to adjust the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar maximum compensation cap that was set in nineteen seventy five. On uh, medical negligence and malpractice cases, this is the Fairness for Injured Patients Act. And Jamie, I've got a, uh, I've got three questions. Um, first of all, there was a massive campaign in the past against medical malpractice, and You know, people were claiming that there were so many frivolous lawsuits and that the cost of malpractice insurance was increasing the cost of medical care in the state and in the country enormously. That was one of the reasons that we had to pay so much for medical care by raising the cap and in the worst cases, eliminating it. Is that necessarily going to substantially increase the cost of medical care?
1: it's not going to have any impact on medical care. And in fact, will probably decrease the cost. We'll certainly decrease the cost that the state pays on, on health for healthcare. Uh, and it'll should decrease the overall cost of healthcare. But in terms of medical malpractice, you know, we're talking about 0.11% of all health care costs, one, It's a pretty small percent uh, in terms of malpractice uh, claims. Uh, and uh, if you look at malpractice premiums in the state, um, what we're looking at is a system that's been regulated by insurance reform, Prop 103, just like the auto home insurance market, the property casualty insurance market, non-health insurance rates, which are through the roof. But medical malpractice insurance premiums are subject to this uh, rate regulation that, as you know, a consumer watchdog put in in 1988 when our founder, Harvey Rosenfeld, uh, ask voters to approve what we call a prior approval system. So doctors can stop a medical malpractice insurance rate hike. Uh, for, medical malpractice, for medical malpractice insurance, it's much better regulated than health care. Uh, health insurance is not regulated in the state. So, you know, we look at um, we look at malpractice costs they are a fraction of a percentage of health care costs. But what we do know is this, that in states, there's, again, 33 states that either have no cap or the type of cap we're proposing in right. this initiative, which is a cap where there's an exemption for catastrophic injury or death and where we index it for inflation. So the vast majority of states don't have caps and California has, unfortunately, higher health care costs. In terms of state paying too much for health care costs, we have... Uh, some good studies that show that when you put a cap in um, and there 's less legal deterrence, adverse events preventable medical errors go up by fifteen percent holy that 's just a hard number fifteen percent. And, you know, the health care system, when you're caring for a Stephen Olson, the, the child with a lifelong disability because of medical negligence, that's very expensive yeah. for either private health insurance or taxpayers. You know, it's tens of millions of dollars of care, you know, for the system. And not wrongdoers paying, but taxpayers and private health insurance for a lot of surgeries. I mean, I was... I knew this child when he was a young child. He had surgeries frequently. He had to have his brain shunt, drained. Uh, He had to have a lot of surgery to his body to walk more normally. Um, And, and, you know, so we're... And and ultimately, if his family's not able to take care of him, um, you know, that will pay even more. So I, I just... I, I, the cost of preventing medical errors uh, through greater legal deterrence yeah. is a huge savings when you prevent adverse events that create lifetime errors, and also that you know we went to this before the break. There's a very small number of medical providers that commit the vast majority of medical negligence. I mean, it's it's like five to ten percent that commit the vast majority, yeah. and we will not deter them unless we have cases where we identify them. And when we have cases where we identify them and they're suddenly paying out pretty large uh, verdicts, you know what? They won't get medical malpractice insurance. They'll be outed to the medical board. They'll be known to the public and they won't be doing it anymore. We don't have that kind of deterrence. And that's why you hear these horror stories every once in a while, like something that just happened at USC with thousands of victims. Uh, You know, you, you, you hear it. Uh, because there isn't good deterrence and the legal system is the best deterrence. And in terms of state costs, uh, the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, as we said, changes the balance of power. So now wrongdoers are allowed only in California and only in these types of cases to pass the costs, uh, economic costs of medical bills onto, uh, onto the private health insurance system, onto, um, onto other Medicare, right. Medicaid. But in the future... Um, it it, it, you know, we're not going to allow that. And, yeah. and and if the initiative passes, then wrongdoers are going to have to pay their full share of those costs. They can't say there is another source to take care of a victim. They're going to have to take care of them because they caused the, the injury and their insurance is going to have to take care of them. their <laughs> malpractice insurance just- and it's and that's just what's things.
0: right, yeah. Well, Jamie, we're totally out of time here, but um, I, I want to make clear there wouldn't be any retroactive relief. I don't think that's possible.
1: Unfortunately, no, but if you filed a case and didn't have it tried before November of 2020, as in Mia... Uh, one of the uh, the parents uh, who are behind the initiative as well, their case, uh, if it's been filed but not heard, will uh, be a case that would be subject to the Fairness for Injured Patients Act. So, if you haven't resolved your case and it's open in November, uh, you know, fifth, twenty twenty, things will change for you if the people of California let it happen.
0: The Fairness for Injured Patients Act. We want to sign this. We want it on the ballot, and then we want to vote in favor. Jamie Court, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, Pat. You
0: bet. And uh, go to the website. It is consumerwatchdog.org. You can also read about the Fairness for Injured Patients Act there. You're listening to KGO.